All right, this is Church Public number 60, Mark. Hey, and welcome back to Church Public. I am glad that you have joined us again today. We are continuing on. I am working towards ending my own personal tech apocalypse, and hopefully this video works this time. We will have to see how it goes. Beyond that, there's just a lot going on in the world. I'm going to do just a little bit of news today, but mostly today, I actually wanted to read to you uh, from a book that I've been working through and talk about some theology things, because I think it's important. I think theology really, in the best sense, is the connection between faith and culture. And theology in practice is what we're looking to do. If it's just all in your head, that really isn't worth much. And if it is all practice, then you may lose out on what the actual beliefs are. So it has to be a combination of the study of God and the practice of life. That's what we do here at Church Public. Again, so glad that you joined us. Here we go. All right, welcome back to Church Public. We're going to start with uh, just a little Bible. I think that's a good place to start. We're going to start with Colossians 2, number 8. This is, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. I think that's a really good verse for us to read and to know and to understand that there are those out there that want to lead you in the wrong way and lead you towards something that is not Jesus and is not following God and is not something that is is based on God's word and God's truth and things like that. And we've talked a lot about that on the podcast and we continue to. So in light of that, what I've been looking through is this book. This is an oldie but a goodie by the author C.S. Lewis. This is called The Screw Tape Letters. It's an interesting book. It's an interesting read because it, he actually turns the tables. My understanding of why he wrote this, C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien were friends or uh, rivals in some sense because they kind of fought about certain bits of theology. They, thought, they fought about storytelling and, and what um, whether you were supposed to tell creative stories, as in The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings trilogy, which some of you are familiar with, or whether you are supposed to uh, just present a closer to reality, um, or at least closer to the themes of the gospel, like C.S. Lewis did in the Narnia Chronicles. While again, both are fantastical, right, like outside of real, outside of reality, um, Narnia has more overt Christian symbols. That's not even my point today. My point is this book, which has nothing to do with Narnia, is uh, my understanding, again, is that C.S. Lewis kind of wrote this to appeal to Tolkien, his friend. And this is from the, 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 the storyline of this book, right, is that there is a devil, not the devil, but a devil, a, a demon, who is writing to one of his underlings one of, uh, you know, his minions, and and they go back and forth in these letters. And so this book is from the perspective of that uh, demon writing to someone and saying, hey, here's what you should do 
to make people, make men. Uh, he has certain project people, project humans, right? And here's what you do to send them away from God. And so it's written from kind of the backwards perspective of what you read in, in the Bible and things like that. But it's it's interesting. Uh, it's not biblical in that sense that it is the Bible. However, I think because C.S. Lewis was such a student of the Bible and of theology and philosophy and religion, that he worked into this some really good insights. And it's it's a good read. It's a not a, it's not a long read, but it is a good read, and it is interesting. Again, it's not scriptural, but I think it is interesting. So I just wanted to read you this quick point um, from the Screwtape letter. So in this particular letter, he's writing about how do you portray Jesus, and and in in a sense, how do you portray religion? Like, are you supposed to have a religion, and the 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 subject, right? The you would say hero in literature, but obviously the demon is not the hero. So you take that for whatever it's worth. Anyway, the speaker in this instance, right? Maybe that's a better way to say it, is pushing the people away from who Jesus really is. In fact, that Jesus is worthy of praise because of who he is, because he is by nature God, and saying, let's distract the people of earth, the humans, in a different way. And so he says in talking about this, that, and he's talking about the connection of Christianity and politics. And I find that very interesting because again, this book was written, I believe in the fifties. Um, so quite old, but I love it when some of these statements are apropos of the current times that we're in. So he says, certainly we do not want men to allow their Christianity to flow over in their political life for the establishment of anything like a really just society would be a major disaster. In other words, if you connect Christianity to culture, if you connect Christianity to politics and you can speak into it with truth and morality, like we talk about on this show, this speaker is actually saying to his underling, that's very dangerous to the powers of darkness. Because then all of a sudden you're speaking light and truth into a world that has been deceived by all of these lies. On the other hand, he goes on, this is a quote, we do want and want very much to make men treat Christianity as a means, preferably as a means to their own advancement, but failing that a means to anything, even social justice. And again, written you know, 70 plus years ago, I just love that, that this speaks directly to what we're talking about right now in that this writer and the speaker is saying, Hey, we want to distract people from real Christianity and the real Christianity and the, and the real Jesus. And we want to move them towards basically Christianity towards anything else, Christianity towards an eye of justice, Christianity towards an eye of, um, their own advancement. We talked a couple of weeks ago about certain people who use Christianity to make themselves famous or to promote an ideal or things like that. And those are really bad uses of Christianity. And in fact, not Christianity at all. And that's the problem, right? And so I think, I think this was a really apropos statement quote for us to review. And if you want to grab this, I mean, you can get this book anywhere. It's a really good book to just dive into and think about like, hey, what are the easy traps that I might fall into personally? Because 
you know, I'll be the first to admit I have not arrived. I have not figured everything out. I have not, um, there's so much more I have to learn. So I look to people who are way smarter than me to try to figure out what do I not know and how do I learn more and how do I grow and, and try to become a better follower of Jesus than I am. I think that's the really important thing, right? That we, we need to grow and we need to get better so that we can follow God and so that we can bring this new culture to the world. So what we have to figure out is what is our role in all of that? And um, I was reading an article by John MacArthur and you can decide whether you like John MacArthur or not. Um, I, I, there are certain things that he's done and said that I don't particularly agree with. There are certain things that he's done and said that are very biblical, very straightforward, and I would say very theologically sound. So again, don't take my word for it. Read, read some of his books and writings, and, and he's, he's actually written quite a few, so it'll take you a while to get through them. Um, you don't have to agree with everything he said for there to be truth that comes out of it. So he was talking about some of these things, and and what I was looking through is, this journey that I'm trying to figure out is wh where is the church in all of this right now? What, what is the church doing right? What is the church not doing right? And over the past couple of generations, what has the church done and what has the church missed? And I think one of the things, if you're familiar with church at all, it was called this seeker sensitive service creation. And they would create services based on attracting people into Christianity and sometimes, um, they would water down what the gospel really said and create different experiences almost for the experience itself in the hope that people would like it and stay and then at some point find the gospel and find Jesus. And I think that has been a detriment to our culture. I can say that I've met a lot of people who grew up in this environment and now don't exactly understand what real Christianity looks like, following Jesus in a real way. They don't understand what that looks like. And that is the problem. Like we haven't done a good job making disciples in the way that Jesus has, has enticed us to. Like we really are supposed to make disciples, but sometimes we've been really caught up with just making conversions or getting people to sign on the dotted line and say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. And that is really important. It is important to make that decision, but there's an almost more important step that is after you make that decision, you need to follow it up and actually follow Jesus. And that's one of those pieces that, you know, Jesus even talks about himself when he talks about the four different types of soil that you, uh, in his analogy about your heart and whether it's ready to receive the gospel or whether other things get in the way of the gospel. And I'm not going to read that whole parable to you right now, but it is a really good one to examine both your own life and the way that you see other people and how you can help them understand more of what God and following God is really all about. So as we look into this and, and we've had problems with this seeker sensitive church service and the depth that it just really didn't have. It was unable to provide the depth that people needed. And you think about the way churches look and some churches just look like theaters and concerts. And I guess inherently there's nothing bad about that. But unfortunately, if it's all about the show, if it's all about the production, then what is the church do for discipleship and how do you take that step and how do you make disciples and you can ask questions like when you're examining this it, it 
where is your church in this statement? And when was the last time you heard hard things preached from the pulpit? Things that were a little bit uncomfortable and things that went against the culture. Because again, and we've talked about this several times, if you're really looking through the word of God and you're really looking through what God says about you and what God says about the world and what God says about your place and culture and some of the mistakes that you make and some of the mistakes that culture makes and some of the deceptions, just as we're talking about uh, C.S. Lewis and the screw tape letters, the deceptions that the devil tries to put on you and on this world and on the leaders of this world. And how do you process through that? And is your church saying the things that go against that? Are they talking about the problems with abortion? Are they talking about, um, the problems with different sexual relationships outside of marriage? And are they talking about um, the problems with culture and just, just issues with culture or even talking about politics? And I know that's a, that's a scary line for some people and for some pastors, but the reality is up until the 50s in America, preachers did talk about politics and, and politics are, are largely intertwined with with reality because basically all life is politics and there was even a big like you go to the other side of the coin right in the liberal and, and leftist views through the late 50s 60s 70s it was what's i'm gonna get the statement wrong but it was like all life is political or ah, i got it wrong anyway we'll come back to that but the point is the culture has made everything you do political and you see that more and more and more uh, there was a big scandal with Coca-Cola just a, just a few uh, days ago and some of the things that they were doing and making their workplace very political and very hot topic on some of the issues. Coca-Cola is a drink. If you're thirsty, drink a drink. If not, don't drink the drink. If you don't like the drink, don't drink it. I mean, a, a, a soda shouldn't be political. And yet we're at that point where literally everything, shoes, soda, like movies, all, everything is political. And, and so you have to realize like, well, every time we step into this world, every time we do something in this world, it's going to be perceived as political. So as the church, we have to start saying true things about this. And the, the government, even as the founders envisioned it, was a place to, uh, sp the government's role was supposed to protect people from infringement on certain religious rights, not to prohibit them from doing certain things, as long as, again, it lined up with a morality. And we've talked a lot about morality. We're gonna talk some more about that later, but I just wanted to talk about that and, and give you this quote in church about different worship and, and seeker-sensitive worship and other worship that, services, I mean, specifically worship services that, that just kind of missed the mark a little bit. And he says this, a few decades ago, the point of, quote, the worship service was to meet with a transcendent God and reverently pay homage, not to pretend we have a superhero style friend in heaven whose whole reason for being is to affirm us and make us happy. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people for whom that last thing is true. I've talked to people who think that God is supposed to show up for them like a superhero or a Santa Claus and give them what they need and take care of take care of all of their financial needs or take care of all these other things. And 
that's not necessarily what God promises, though he does, like Jesus does say, he wants you to live an abundant life. But if you look at the lives of some of the apostles, while I believe their lives were abundant and they followed God and, and they had the fruit of the spirit and some other things, most of them were not rich and they were not famous in a good way. They may have been famous in a bad way where people knew that they were Christians and they were persecuted because they were Christians and run out of town. And in fact, we talked about this before, but many of them were killed because of their following of Jesus. So the fame that you seek in, in following after God may not be the fame that you get, but uh, that's, that's the double-edged sword when you have uh, people like, I believe, Foster, who wrote the book, The Cost of Discipleship, right? Um, the cost of discipleship can be very high. And yet it's worth it in most cases, right? It's worth it to follow after God because of the rewards that you get in your soul, knowing that you're growing your character, you're growing into who you were made to be. It's not easy. And that's the hard thing of it. And so when MacArthur and others say things like, hey, church used to be this thing where you go and you worship the God of the universe in reverent awe of who he is. And now it's more like a show. That's kind of a problem, right? It, church is not supposed to be a show for sh a, the sake of a show. It's supposed to be a place where we gather and worship. If you look at Acts, for instance, Acts 2, 42 the worship service is supposed to include four things, teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, which refers to the Lord's Supper or communion, and prayer. And often they don't necessarily contain all of those things. Some people stretch to say fellowship is just when you hang out together, but is it, or is fellowship something deeper? Is fellowship something that is growing your connection as believers Paul uses the word edify, and that just means that you say, hey, I'm dealing with this issue, and yeah, I'm dealing with this issue too, and you can help each other work through those issues. Saying hello in the lobby or giving a high five, I guess you can't high five anymore because the virus will kill you, but beyond that, I mean, where where is the edification in fellowship? And at, at a lot of the churches... It, it's not quite there, right? And and so teaching, we talked about that a little bit, fellowship, breaking of bread, communion is very important. And, and Jesus says, do this when you, uh, every time you eat in remembrance of me. And, and sometimes we do communion, sometimes we don't, sometimes it's meaningful, sometimes it's just a ritual that we do. There definitely needs to be more discussion on what that is and, and what communion looks like and, and how we're supposed to do communion and think about communion in the Lord's table. And then prayer and and not just again like dinner table prayer or one prayer but we're supposed to pray with and for each other and just by nature of the of the the church services that we have right now it's hard to do that and again you could say well that's in different settings right you go and do that in a group or you go and do that in a different meeting and you and you do your prayer time and okay maybe i i, I could be swayed on that but by and large again the people who have grown up in this generation of church and then left the church, by and large, never learned how to do real fellowship and edifying each other and, and holding each other accountable and building each other up. And they never really learned how to 
pray and seek after God in a way that was meaningful and made sense. And I don't think, to go a step further, and this is totally generalizing, but I don't think a lot of them really learned to know God, not just to know about God. And there are a lot of smart people who know about God, but it's another level entirely to know God. And, and that's the difference in between head knowledge and knowing things and being intellectual. And again, by and large, we have the most advanced, the most intellectual, the smartest generation in the history of the world with the connection through these devices to every answer on the face of the earth about anything and even beyond the earth, right? We're watching the Mars rover land and, and we're seeing all of these things happening in real time. However, what is the wisdom in that? And what is, what is beyond just knowing something? And then what is knowing God in your heart in the way that, you know, a mother loves a child or a father loves a son or a son loves a father, right? In, in the best way. I know there's a lot of bad relationships, but in the best ideal way, that's a different thing to know that love, to feel that love. And, and that's why there's an analogy repeated throughout all of scripture that God is like a loving father. And, and there's a bunch of other analogies that aren't just intellectual. It's not just knowing about God. It's knowing God and knowing his love and understanding his love and, and fearing him to some degree. Because if God created the heavens and the earth... And you're just like an ant on the earth that helps you with your reverence to know that you are not the center of the universe. And that's probably a good thing, right? And those are the things that we struggle to work through and that we really need to focus on. How can we make this church a better place? And I, again, don't have all the answers, but I know that the way we've done it for several decades is a little bit broken and we've and and the fruit of brokenness, unfortunately, in this is story after story after story of pastor who has become celebrity, who has then taken a terrible fall into an immoral lifestyle because they became the focus of the church or the focus of worship or whatever, rather than coming to focus on who God is and, and, and focusing on how do we follow after God and how do we do what the Bible says? And those are those are really important things. And we have to focus on those things that the, the Bible tells us that God's word tells us to do. And that's not easy, but it is valuable and it is beneficial. And so what I just want to challenge you is think about some of these things. Where do you go for Bible teaching and, and where do you go for fellowship with other believers, especially during this time when some people are shut out of other people's lives, that is really a problem. It really is a big problem. And we have to find a way to get back into this place where we can have fellowship together and, and doing communion and praying for one another, not just saying, yeah, yeah, I'll pray for you. And then never doing it. Like actually praying for people is so important because that's how we both connect with other people and get a heart for their life and their problems and love them, as Jesus has told us to do, and how we connect with God, because then we get a sense of God's heart and how God loves other people. And prayer is that avenue that allows us to connect into all of those things. So 
I really hope that you seek after God and I really hope that you find a way to connect all of this together. So as Church Public, we're going to talk about church. We're going to talk about different issues later on this week. Uh, provided, again, all of my technology continues to work, we're going to talk about some of the news stories and some of the things that are going on. But I always want to bring it back to God's Word, the things that are in in His kingdom and the true things so that we can gauge and evaluate everything else based on that. So I really appreciate you tuning in. I uh, would encourage you to go to churchpublic.com. If you are interested in helping, you can go to churchpublic.com slash support. And otherwise, check us out on all the socials. Thanks for dropping in. God bless you. And as always, keep the faith.